Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast. Where I pick the podcast. And I shut my cake hole. That was a choice that you made. Um, <laughs> do you take constructive criticism? <laughs> Is that what you want to go with? Yeah. Alright, today we will be talking about the 18th episode of the first season of Supernatural, titled... Something Wicked. Something Wicked. Jamie, what did you think? Okay, so I don't know where to start with this episode. Like, it was an episode. It was. Astute observation. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I'm going for today. Only the truth. Um. Oh, I know what I want to start with. Okay. The kid at the start of the episode. Her name is Bethany. Beth. I know. I know. I literally... <laughs> I got so excited because as I was watching it, I remembered. I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to get a shout out. It's about to be all about me for like 0.5 of a second. Um, It's very exciting because I very rarely come across my name in media. I very rarely come across anyone named the same name as me. I don't know if it's just like where I live or what, but like I think I've only met two other Bethany's in my life. No. Yeah, two. Two other other Bethany's in my entire life. And like... Bethany, it's you. you. I know, it's me. I was very excited. You're dying. <laughs> I have pneumonia. Woo. Um, yes, no, I also thought that was very exciting. Um, I'm glad you also thought that. <laughs> okay, well, we're still talking about the first victims, mm-hmm. like the, the kids, the two kids that are the first victims. Wow, that was very much like Cusco's poison. The poison for Cusco. <laughs> the poison designed specifically for Cusco. No. While we are talking about the kids at the start of the episode who are originally targeted, the two little girls, the little girl that we see and her sister who's already in the hospital, the dad calls the little girl who's, like, in the bed, he calls her monkey puss? Yeah. What? (laughs) I also thought that was a bit fucking weird. What? I was like, how do you come up with that as a nickname? You know? like, Like, as far as... In terms of endearment, go. It's not a common one. No. It, maybe it's more common in America. I mean, but maybe. Like, where is I hear, like, cheeky monkey a lot. Lamb like, chop. Lamb chop. <laughs> but, like, monkey puss? My grandpa has one. Question mark? My grandpa says, oh, you're such a silly sausage. Oh. Um, I don't know if that's a... <laughs> that's common. But that's well, it's obviously not says. Australian because then it'd be silly snack. <laughs> No, he's like, oh, he's such a silly sausage. <laughs> but no, yeah, monkey puss is not one that I personally am familiar with. It's also not something I personally would be comfortable with someone calling me. So, I don't know. Even, like, as a child, I feel like I'd be like, that's weird. Weird. <laughs> I think moving on from nicknames, because that went weird. Sideways. Yeah. Sideways and backwards and flip-flopped a little. Oh, actually, not not on the topic of nicknames, but yeah. still kind of on the topic of nicknames. There's this, like, one part right at the very end of this episode where after Sam has been attacked by the Striga and Dean is like, are you okay, little brother? And I was like, why didn't you just say Sam? Yeah. Like, it's like- I think it's because the kid. Yeah. So, like... Like, let Michael, I think his name is, know that, like, Sam is Dean's brother. Yeah. But it's also sort of, like, I don't know, it felt felt unnecessary and it felt unnatural. I was like, yeah. it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it didn't feel like something that he would actually say. It just felt kind of clunky to me. There's, there are a few bits in this episode, though, where I was a bit like, wow, that's kind of clunky. Like, the dialogue. Mm. Like, the bit where they're in the hospital with, like, the sick kids. Yeah. Feels very clunky to me. Oh, when they're pretending to be the CDC. Yeah. Oh, I didn't mind that too much, actually. Although, I felt like the nurse kind of comes no, into the conversation. No, not when they're in the bit. hospital. Sorry, I misremember that. When they're at the park with the... Oh, with, with the, the random lady. Yeah, and yeah. her daughter. And she's like, mm, sick kids. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I agreed. Like, that particular bit of dialogue was, like, eh, a bit stilted. And it's also kind of like, I don't know, if I was that woman... And a random man came up to me and was like, hello, where are all the children? I'd be like, um, why do you want to know, strange man? <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> Creepy vibes. Yeah, but also, um, 
I thought it was interesting, like, Sam's like, oh, like, what's wrong with this picture? And it's like an empty playground. I'm like, I don't know, Sam, have you ever, like, have you never seen an empty playground? Like, sometimes that happens. Like, not every playground is full of children every day all the time. Sometimes. And he's like, oh, school should be out. Everyone should be there. It's like, yeah, but what if the school's holding a fucking event? Yeah. What if it's, like, a fair or something at the school? What, so if, it's, no- what if it's school holidays? What if everyone's just off on vacay and they just forgot because they didn't have a normal childhood and they also don't have children, so they don't know when school holidays are? I don't fucking know when the school holidays are. Jesus Christ, this is looking like you're about to start ranting about the upbringing. <laughs> well, Which, look, can we talk about the use of flashbacks in this episode? Absolutely. Wow. You didn't like it? No. <gasps> Jamie, I love it. <laughs> I was so excited. You were so excited for the flashbacks. Yeah, because you get to see them, like, growing up. You get to actually, like, instead of just having to read between the lines of, like, shit that they're repressing, like, now as adults, you actually get to see the reality of the situation that they were in and how they were experiencing it as children. It's so interesting. Yeah, but it also felt very much to me like, oh, wow, what a quinky dink. We've got this one kid whose situation mirrors Dean's. Yeah, that's called narrative storytelling, Jamie. <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah. It's like, oh, wow, so we're going to we're gonna have this kid mirror Dean. Right. Yeah. But then we're going to have this kid mirror Dean even more in that he's, is, his little brother is targeted by the Striga. Yeah. Right? At the motel they're staying at, is this like, Here's the thing. I don't believe it. I have it two words for you, Jamie. Broke my suspensions of disbelief. And, like, I know it makes sense with the reveal of season 15. But season 15 was not planned at this point. So I am viewing it as a standalone episode, as part of the first season. And as a standalone episode, as part of the first season, it doesn't make sense. Jamie, I have two words for you. Plot. Convenience. Like, it's... <laughs> Yes, you're right. It's not realistic. It's such a coincidence that, like, they happen to be in the right place at the right time. You're also correct. Season 15 elaborates on the realities of that a little bit more in terms of the story of the Winchesters. But, like, yeah, like, of course that's what happens because they're in a fucking story. Like, that's how that's how writing works. If they didn't have them conveniently be at the motel, then they would have just been staying at a different motel. They would have had the exact same story with a family just living in a different location. Having them at the like based at the motel makes it easier. You know? <laughs> Plot convenience. Plot convenience. Less sets, less worrying, you know, it makes sense that the kid is left alone while the mum and is with the little brother and like, you know, it makes it just makes more sense. <laughs> Though while we are talking about flashbacks Yes. Can we talk about how John fucked up the hunt the first time? Yeah, sure. Because Dean's about to shoot the Striga while it's feeding, which mm-hmm. is how you meant to kill it. Which let's yeah. – I'm going to derail the conversation again, briefly. Yeah. I'll get back to my actual point. The Striga needs to be killed while it's feeding, right? Yeah. Why the fuck do they keep on yelling, hey, while it's feeding? I know. I <laughs> I know. It's just like, why are you distracting it from the thing that, like, just shoot it. Like, don't. it doesn't need to look at you. You don't need to see the light go out of its eyes. Just kill it. In the flashback where Dean finds it feeding on Sam. Yeah, when right. he's like a little kid. Yeah. Yeah. If John hadn't been there and pushed Dean out of the way and just let Dean shoot the fucking Striga, it would be dead. Mm. But no. John come in and he was like... Guns are blazing. Guns are blazing. And then... By the time that John got to the Striga, it had finished fucking feeding. I know. I think Like, that- it had stopped. It was no longer vulnerable. What? <laughs> I know. I think the thing there is that, like, Dean was hesitating so much. It's kind of like, would he have shot it at all? Because I feel like that's what's super important to remember about this scene. Is it's like, how old are they there? Like, I sort of guessed that, like, Sam was, like, six, seven. And Dean was, like... So that would make 10, Dean 11, like, 12. Yeah, so that's kind of what my assumption was. And I think... Like, I don't not. think Dean would be, like, 14 quite yet. No. But, like, he's, like, thir- like 10 13. to 13, somewhere in that chunk. Because um, I think they said in the episode that John had hunted it, like, and I may be wrong, but I think they said it was, like, 16 years ago, which would have made Dean 10 and, therefore, Sam, like, 6. Yeah. So 
bearing that in mind, like, he's scared shitless. Like, at the moment, the monster's not looking at him. So is he going to draw attention to himself by, like, making a loud noise? He's probably never killed anything bigger than a spider before in his life. Like, he's definitely not being taken out on hunts at this point. We know that because John leaves him alone in the motel room with Sam. You know, A-plus parenting. Oh, my God. John Winchester's shitty parenting on full fucking display this episode, which is one of the other reasons I really like it. Because it vindicating. (laughs) Like, honestly, literally... He, like, goes through the whole thing. He's like, shoot first, ask questions later. Which is, like, first of all, terrible advice. Second of all, definitely terrible advice to give a 10-year-old. Yeah. It's also the same advice that Sam gives to the couple in Asylum. Yeah. When they then immediately shoot Dean. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Proving my point. Terrible fucking advice, especially to give to someone who doesn't know what they're doing and is scared shitless. And also, like, John goes through the whole thing of, like, you know, this is how you know it's me calling. This is the rules, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I know, I know, I know. And then it's like, the most important thing is to look out for Sam. Like, that is the number one. Yes. You have to look after Sam. And it's like, you are telling a 10-year-old that his absolute number one priority in the world is protecting his little brother. Like, as a 10-year-old. As a 10-year-old. It's like, no, John, actually, that's your job. Your job is to look out for your children because you're their fucking parental figure. Like, that you are technically their caregiver, which means it is your job In to ensure that they... incredibly loose definition of the term. Yes, which means it is actually your job and your responsibility to provide them a safe and stable, like, living situation. You are clearly not doing that because you're actually... Pushing that responsibility onto your 10-year-old, who is now not only, like, looking after themselves, but looking after another child, including bathing and feeding and putting to bed and keeping, like, entertained throughout the day. Because they're not at school like any normal fucking 6- and 10-year-old would be. Instead, they're eating SpaghettiOs and Lucky Charms. Oh, my God. And isn't that heartbreaking? Because then, like, when you're a kid... You haven't fully, like, conceptualised the idea of putting other people before yourself. Like, that's not something you really can fully understand until you're a bit older. Like, there's certain things that psychologically, like, kids just don't, they can't grasp the concept of things like other people's perspectives. That's something that you develop the ability to do that as you age, right? And he is standing there, like, knowing that he had saved the Lucky Charms for himself because he hadn't had any yet, which means Sam has probably had the rest of the box. And Sam wanted SpaghettiOs, or as he says in the episode, (laughs) SkabettiOs. And so Dean made him SkabettiOs and a glass of milk for his strong bones, like a good fucking pseudo parent. And then Sam goes, I don't want Skibettios, I want Lucky Charms. And so Dean sacrifices the one thing that he had kept for himself to enjoy, and he gives it to Sam, no questions asked. And it's like, fuck, you're sacrificing literally the only bit of joy in your childhood so that your little brother can have that bit of joy in his childhood. And then at the end, you just end up feeling like the shittiest, shittiest person ever because they almost died because of you. But it wasn't you who put the like put him in that situation it was your dad like john put you in that danger it's not your fucking fault it's john's fault also john knew john knew that the striga was going after fucking children. children yeah why the fuck would you have your children in the radius where the striga is hunting yeah and also it's like dean like went out to play on like the game in the like motel lobby or whatever right and the guy comes out and he's like hey kid we're closing Motels don't just close at, like, 5pm. Like, it's late. Dean, as a 10-year-old, absolutely should be in bed by now. Which means that he would have been fucking asleep when the thing came in the room anyway. Because he's not going to stay up all night for, like, four days straight while John is out. Like, he has to sleep. Which means that regardless of where he was, the streaker would have come in and probably would have attacked Sam regardless. Like, and then what was Dean going to do? Because he'd be fucking asleep. Is it still going to be his fucking fault, even though he was unconscious and left unsupervised as a 10-year-old in charge of a fucking six-year-old? 
sorry, I'm mad. <laughs> when people are like, oh, no, John was a good dad. I'm like, have you watched the show? Um, I'm just going to mention this because normally she points it out on me, but Bethany is currently talking with her hands to like, I'm like about to start grabbing things out of her way so that she doesn't knock them. Um, oh. She's getting very heated about this. I am very passionate about how John's a shitty and irresponsible parent. And honestly, like, like he knows what he's hunting. Why did he not just say, hey, a character you haven't met yet, but Bobby or Hay, Pastor Jim or Caleb or any of the various people. Well, they people say, like, go off. to Pastor Jim anyway. Yeah, like- it's like, well, why isn't Pastor Jim babysitting? Bro, like, fuck. <sighs> anyway, <laughs> I'm just, I'm going to take I, a minute to I calm down. The subject. I so think you, you can- should, otherwise, I could go on about this for a long time. Okay, I'm going to, you know how I was Googling things earlier? Yes. I'm going to go on to what I was Googling. Oh, okay. Striggers are not witches. There, I said it. In mythology, they're typically vampires, not ooh, witches. Ooh, that's kind of fun. Wait, ooh, what does it say in the bestiary? The bestiary is going to be wrong because <laughs> it is based on the supernatural law, not the actual mythology. But generally speaking, striggers are viewed as a type of vampire. In fact, they're generally viewed as the original vampire that actually in makes... terms of what all other myths are based on. That actually makes a lot of sense because of, like, the way they feed. It actually was really reminding me of a um, uh, Dementor. Like, the way that, like, especially at the end when you see, like, sort of the life force coming out of Sam, it's very reminiscent of, like, the Dementor's kiss. Yeah. Um, But, no, typically Striegers are viewed as a sort of vampire, not a sort of witch. Huh. I think um, Sam mentioned in the episode that, like, they typically take the form of, like, an older woman, which is where the, like idea of like the old crone like witch figure kind of came from but no so i'm reading directly from the wikipedia here okay apparently usually a female demon somewhat similar to a vampire in slavic and especially polish folklore huh well there you go learn something new every day and even if you're going with the other thing where you're like oh maybe it's not based on the polish folklore you're going with the russian which is strigoi oh okay still a vampire huh yeah, so Strigger are typically considered vampires because they are undead, huh. whereas witches are not undead. And I guess, like, feeding on the life force mm. is similar to feeding on, like, the blood because yeah. it's still, like, I mean, I guess your blood is kind of your life, life force. force. If you don't have blood, you're kind of yeah. fucked. Yeah. Also, just a quick side note, which we probably should have mentioned at the very tip top of the episode. Um, it is a particularly rainy spring day. So, if the audio of this episode is shocking, we apologise. There is literally nothing we can do about it. (laughs) Um, Either if we try and take the rain out, it's going to sound like shit. If we leave the rain in, it's going to sound like shit. So, sorry. (laughs) Okay. So, that is my pedantic rant about Striegers and the fact that they are vampires, not fucking witches. So, it really annoys me that in this entire episode, they were like, Hmm, they're a witch and like something wicked like obviously they're going for a witch angle yeah but like they're not witches mm. but also the special effect <laughs> when the stringer is feeding wait like the green glow in the mouth yeah i don't think it was that bad i thought it was Look, pretty okay i think the the last couple of times with sam and the little and michael the little boy yeah i think they were slightly better but the first time i saw it when it was the little girl, I was like, hmm, that's a choice. Not a good choice, but a choice. I mean, I feel like that particular sentiment applies to the majority of Supernatural, you know. Well, that was a choice. Not a good choice, but a choice nonetheless. It didn't seem to fit in the first scene where they show it. I it sh- just... The, I think the... Later on, it's better. Just the way they, like, the angles they shot it at, etc. worked nicer. Mm. But, like, I'm pretty sure, like, I might have this wrong. I did watch it last night, so it was a couple of hours ago. But I'm pretty sure the first scene, they literally, like, like, they show, like, her open mouth and it's, like, like from the point of view of the kid. I literally watched this this morning and I don't remember, but <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Come on, Bethany. you got to be prepared sorry. to talk about shot choices. Who are you discussing Supernatural with? <laughs> I don't care about the plot. 
I don't care about the characters. I care about the lighting and shot choices. <laughs> um, actually, I did think that for some reason, the uh, the opening of this episode, I don't know, it felt like a little, it kind of felt a little disjointed to me somehow. The vibe was different. Yeah. It was <sighs> not necessarily a bad way, just like. I feel like we said the same thing about, was it Skin? And we're like, oh, the opening of the mm. episode, like, the vibe was different. Like, this isn't different, like, that was different. This is different in, like, I don't know how, but it was just different. Yeah, I can't put my finger on it either. I wonder if it's because instead of an adult being the victim, it was a kid. I, 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 I like, I probably, I really I think it, I might have, to be fair, though, I think for me it might have just been the use of monkey puss. <laughs> Actually, one thing I wanted to bring up that I assume you would would bring up at some point if I didn't already, the piano music throughout this episode. I originally noticed it in the hospital when they were planning to be the CDC. And I was like, oh, wow, I really like this piece of music. It's really nice. And then they use it nonstop through the whole fucking episode. And I am not a person who usually notices the sound. But in this instance, I was like, please use any other music. This is ridiculous. I swear they used it like 18 times through the episode. I was just like, okay, it's a nice piece of music. I thought it was fitting when they were first investigating, like, the pediatrics ward or whatever. But now that it's been 35 minutes and you're still using the same piece of music, please just change it. Please use something different. I get what they were going for with the music. And I think it might have been because they were trying to link the hospital with the Striga so that you would believe that it was the old woman, which, by the way, like, Massive red herring that, like, didn't really pay off. Pay off at all. Like, it. here's the thing. I understand that, like, they wanted to throw, like, a little bit of a fun plot twist in there. Yeah. But also, like, I did not think for a second that it was going to be the old woman. No. That is far too obvious, far too easy. It's like, oh, wow, the inverted cross. It's like, well. Yeah, it's two on the Maybe nose. it just had, like, two pegs and one fell out and then it just, like, swung down. Like, it's, which is what it basically ended up being anyway. It was just upside down because it hadn't been repaired yeah (laughs) although i will say having the old lady in the hospital did give us two exceptional lines uh one being an old person in a hospital (laughs) iconic Um, sassy sam for the win uh and the second the old lady herself (laughs) i was sleeping with my peepers open which is so funny yeah, that particular scene, and, like, I swear to God, like, Dean, like, shits himself when she starts talking, and the fact that the line that comes out of her mouth is, I was sleeping with my peepers open, and then she just laughs like a maniac. It's so fucking funny. <laughs> so, yeah. kudos for that. But, yeah, so it was very obvious to me that she was not going to be the trigger because, like, also, the whole point of the trigger, like, and their costumes is to make people think they're, like, trustworthy right yeah. that's why apparently according to law they normally look like old women which is again just striga mythology is not that that if they would have known that if they did literally any googling <laughs> they've taken some liberties yeah and not good liberties but the whole point is for the the striga to look unassuming trustworthy when they're not looking like a witch mm. this old lady straight up looks like a witch like She's not putting anyone at ease with that disguise, you know what I mean? Yeah. I do like that they um, sort of had it be, like, the Doctor and had it be the plot of, like, obviously, like, hiding in plain sight because I feel like the tactic of hiding in plain sight is actually, for me at least, I find it more enjoyable to watch because it gives you the sense of kind of, like, anyone could be who they're looking for. Whereas sometimes it's a lot of like, well, it's going to be obvious who it is because they're going to not look human, you know? So I kind of like when we have some plots where it's like, yeah, they'll be, they could be anyone. And actually... But also like I picked it really early on that it was the Doctor. Well, yeah, but like... It's a fun concept. It's just, it didn't really get executed with any sort of level where it was a surprise when it was revealed that it was the Doctor. Mm. Which the dramatic fucking like close-ups... And, like, the, like, da-da-da sort of music behind the fucking, like, reveal, like, oh, I've got a picture from the children's ward in 1890, 1890 and yeah. I'm looking at the doctor, like, 
Mm. Like, they acted like it was such a dramatic, and they're like, yeah, I picked that from, like, the second scene we saw of the Doctor. I mean, I guess it's easy to pick it when you're watching it as a TV show. If you were living it, it would not be that obvious. True. But, um, actually, one thing that I did want to talk about that that kind of leads into is that they use Michael as bait. So we've stumbled upon my PSA for today. Okay. Don't use children as bait. Oh, well, that's a good PSA. Don't put children in dangerous situations. It's a shitty fucking thing to do. Yeah. Um, I have a couple of things to say about this. Continue, I'm finished. Um, yeah, I don't think that PSA needs much more explanation, eh? Um, so I have one thing I wanted to say, which is basically like, obviously, terrible fucking thing to do. I also don't know how else they would have done it. So I'm kind of like, I, you know, obviously Sam and Dean have a big altercation where they're like, Sam is very much against it. And Dean's sort of like, look, I'm also against it. However, what's the alternative? And it's one of those shitty situations where you're kind of between a rock and a hard place. And, like, I don't know if you had any other ideas on how they could have gotten around. No. And, like, I think that's the thing. It's – I'm speaking from, like, a realistic point of view. And the realistic point of view is, like, you're never going to be put in a situation where you have to kill a Striga by making it feed on a kid. Like, I'm just talking about, like, generally don't – Don't put kids in harm's way. Yeah. It's not – Something that's going to happen to you, you're not going to ever have to choose whether you dangle a kid in front of a stringer or not because stringers ultimately aren't real. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I – look, I'm with Sam here. Like, it, they shouldn't be fucking doing it. But also I'm with D- Dean here in that, like, realistically, it is the only way. Yeah, and if they don't, then the alternative is they risk other kids being put in harm's way. And even if they hide – Michael, it's just going to happen to another kid. Yeah. The other thing that I wanted to talk about in regards to this is a headcanon theory that I've seen on Tumblr and that I want to ask your opinion on. This never ends well for me. So, knowing that John knew what he was hunting, knowing that he willingly left his kids unsupervised, in a motel room in the town where he knew what he was hunting and having him strategically and right on time bust into the room to kill it conveniently as it was feeding on Sam. Thoughts on John actually using his kids as bait. So I feel like you can boil this plot point down to two things yeah there's no evidence for one way or the other yeah in terms of there you're never going to be able to find an answer textually like there is no answer the options are john willingly used his kids as bait for the streaker Mm -hmm. or it's a plot convenience thing that was developed by yeah god and shit and john bust into the room at the right time because he couldn't have one of the brothers dying, otherwise it ruins his fucking plan. Yeah. Um, I... So it's sort of like, I feel like you're not going to get an answer one way or the other. No. But I feel like those are the two ways you can sort of interpret this. Yeah. One, that it is something that John consciously chose to do, or two, it is something that John bust in at the right time because the Winchesters were... And it's a plot convenience thing because then it keeps Dean in line, forces him into the role that they want Dean into, and it keeps Sam, Sam alive. alive. Yeah. I just wanted to put it out there because when I first, like, I had never thought about it. And then when I came across that theory, I was like, oh shit. Yeah, because John really does bust in right at the right second. You know, and he knew what he was hunting. He knew what the thing he was hunting was hunting. And like we were saying before, why wouldn't he just leave the kids out of harm's way with another adult? And the thing is, it paints John in two different lights. Yeah. Whichever way you go, it paints him in two different lights. Both lights are bad. 
Yeah. But bad in different ways. So the first light is he's using his kids as fucking bait. I've already covered that. I don't agree. Yeah. Or the second way is he's just a shitty parent because he doesn't think through the consequences of his actions. Yeah. He doesn't think through the consequences of bringing his kids into the hunting zone of a stricker. Mm-hmm. And the other shitty thing is no matter which way you paint it, he blames Dean for the outcome. And Dean internalizes that and blames himself. And even like as an adult, like, and kudos to Jensen actually, because when Dean explains to Sam how he knows it's a streaker and why, like, he knows, like, no, dad sent us here because he knows this is a personal thing for me. I want to kill it because it's my fault. Like, you can really see, like, the guilt in his face. Like, he still feels guilty about this. Like, in his mind, it is his fault, which is so incorrect. Because, like we said earlier, he was a literal fucking child and he can't control anything that's going on. Like, he was put into this situation which he was not physically or emotionally able to handle as a fucking 10-year-old, regardless of how that 10-year-old has been raised. Any adult in that situation would rightfully be freaking the fuck out and not know what to do, let alone a child. And Dean even mentions, you know, John never brought it up again, but he always looked at him differently after that. And like, fuck, you know, like to be a kid and to only have really like two people that you're close with because you can't have friends and you don't have any other family. You're a parent to one of those people. The other person is essentially your God and they look at you like they can't trust you or like you are a disappointment to them. Like shit, you know, eloquent. (laughs) Thanks. You, you know my point, though, like... It's something that would be so devastating for Dean. <laughs> I think that was very deep and emotional and character analysis-y. So I'm going to pivot entirely because I <laughs> don't do good. that. Let's, uh, let's change the, the vibe. <laughs> they start on the bad party city shit early. The Strigger costume. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. It looks like they walked into a Halloween store and we're just like, ah, yes, a witch robe. Yeah. Like, the, what? the hands kind of look like big chicken feet to me. Like the wrinkles and the little claws. It's very obvious. They just got like those fake fingers that you like put yeah. on your fingers and they're like rubber. Hold um, Yeah. They, I understand that this first season they weren't working with a very big budget. But also like that is a choice. It also kind of gives me Palpatine vibes. You know? <laughs> I mean we've talked about Palpatine before in this podcast. I feel like we talk about Palpatine and Twilight more than I would have thought. <laughs> ah yes. Palpatine and Twilight, the two influences on Superman. <laughs> it's like a Venn diagram. <laughs> for Twilight, it's like that one scene where she knows that he's not a park ranger. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the lightning and the hands. Yeah. <laughs> Oh dear. And the running quality. I mean, somehow Palpatine has returned. <laughs> One uh, other thing that I wanted to talk about uh, is for some fucking reason, like we've established that, you know, like with the park rangers we were talking about with their IDs, like they've got all these IDs and like we've established previously, these guys have a fucking ID for everything. And when they don't have an ID, they just make an ID. So in this episode, for some fucking reason, they have a fake ID for, like, the CDC or whatever, but it's got Bikini Inspector on it. I just, like, you guys made these fake IDs. Why would you include that? And, like, you know, the only thing is that, I don't know, maybe they just bought it from someone and, like, they decided what got written on it. But, like, what kind of fucking shitty fake ID? But even then, like, it has Sam's picture on it. Yeah. So it's, like... Although when he shows it, he does cover the face, like, entirely. I don't know if you notice. His, like, two fingers well, are, like, over the I face. I don't know the why ID. you would cover... Because I'm pretty sure they show it before in the earlier shot, and it does have Sam on it. Like, yeah. it, it's close enough looking to Sam that he could get away with it. Yeah. So I don't know why when he flashes it, he covers the photo and not, not the, the word bikini. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. Actually, and um, speaking of, uh, like, checking in with reception... 
the casual homophobia of Dean trying to check into the motel and the kid being like a king or two queens and Dean being like, oh, two queens. He's like, oh yeah, I bet. And Dean's like, excuse me? And it's like, again, with the like people insinuating that they are not straight and Dean getting like mad about it. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. You seem pretty defensive, buddy. (laughs) Me thinks the lady doth protest too much. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Look, the casual homophobia, not great. But the reaction to the casual homophobia is an interesting character point, I think, personally. Especially moving forward and with more recent drama, especially in mind. (laughs) What is it with them assuming they're a couple, though? Mm, I don't know. I actually don't know if this is one of those things where they found out that fans were, like, shipping Wincest and then they kind of put it into the show as a bit of, like, a joke. Or if they just, for some reason, chose to make it a homophobic joke. Because also the thing is, like, I understand sometimes when siblings don't look anything like each other, but also, like, they actually, like, they're not, obviously they're not actually related, but they do have a decent amount of, like, resemblance. Like, they look similar enough that if I was to see them on the street. I would be more likely to assume brothers than lovers. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like that Instagram page that's like siblings are dating. And it's like, have you seen that? No. Oh my God, it's so funny. So it's essentially, they just like have pictures of like people standing together. And it's like, people have to vote. Do you think they're siblings or do you think they're dating? And then like after a certain amount of time, once the votes are in, they'll reveal if they're siblings or if they're dating. And it's insane. Some of these couples could be twins. Like, they look identical. It's crazy. And you're like, oh, they have to be siblings. It's like, no, 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 they're fucking. They're not related. <laughs> and it's, oh man, it's it's really funny. But yeah, you're right. They do look similar in the sense that they're like two white men from like vaguely yeah. the same geographical location at roughly the same age. Like like all of the various Chris's of Hollywood. Yeah. They look the same, you know. They look similar enough that I would not... And especially given that, like, they don't act like they're fucking, you know what I mean? Like, they are, yeah. they act like brothers. Like, very, like you watch them interact for 30 seconds and you would not think they are yeah, it's dating a, or anything like that. Very much a sibling dynamic. Yeah. So it's just like, and they look similar and it's like, yeah, like, are people really out here, like, assuming that they're... Well, yeah, apparently. And like I said, I don't know if it's one of those things... I mean, it's only the first season, so I have to assume it's just them trying to make a cheap joke by just having people be casually homophobic. And bearing in mind it was 2005, this was kind of made for a more conservative audience, you know, that kind of thing. How did that work out for them? Not well. (laughs) It really backfired, actually, um, for the reasons we previously explained. The lady doth protest too much, but, you know, and this is an ongoing thing where it's always, like, Dean will be a bit bristly about it and Sam kind of, like, laughs it off and it's kind of like, well, hmm. Sure, Dan. That's interesting. You know, um, so, anyway. Anyway. Okay, uh, I yeah. want to circle back around because I started a tangent earlier that I, I should... Didn't finish? <laughs> ...readable self-control and I've moved back to my original tangent before I followed the second one. But I think we should go back to it. The fact that they call out hey before they shoot the fucking Striga. Yes. Why? How? In their, in their brain. Their single brain. <laughs> their single brain. They share like three brain cells. Sam has like two of them most of the time. He gets like half. The other one's going unused. Um, <laughs> That's so mean. They have, it's like electron shit, like, like, you know how you have, like, partial bonds with electrons? Yeah. It's like the third brain cell just, like, <laughs> kind of bounces between them. But, no, like, they, they literally just laid out, it has to be feeding. But they then tell the kid, like, you've got to roll under the bed to get clear of us shooting at it. It's like, but if he's under the bed, it's not fucking feeding. Mm-hmm. You know, the thing that you said it has to be doing to be able to kill it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, why are they barging and going, hey, 
Like, that's going to stop it from fucking feeding. That's going to make it impossible for you to kill. That's going to make the risk you took dangling a kid in front of, the, front of this fucking thing pointless. Pointless anyway. Yeah. Why didn't they just walk in and fucking shoot it? And that poor kid as well. Like, poor Michael. He... Because they didn't know that it was then going to latch onto Sam so that Dean could kill it. Yeah. For all they know, it would have done the same thing it did 15, 20-odd years ago up. and been basically scared off and then resurfaced 20 years down the track. Like, they don't know that. Yeah. But why are you making the sacrifice this kid has taken Yeah. pointless? Why are you doing that? Yeah. Like, as bad as it is that you're dangling this kid in front of them in the first place, why the fuck are you not just taking the opportunity to shoot it? Yeah. I'm like, a, you're a good enough shot that you're not going to kill the kid. We've established yeah. this. Yeah. I guess, yeah, it is really hard. I think um, I think you're correct. Like, their whole point is that it has to be feeding, so it doesn't make sense to distract it from feeding, especially because once it is aware Because of if you, they just had to lure it out, they could have done it without the kid. Yeah. And once it's aware of you, then it's going to try and defend itself, which it does in the episode. That's how they end up thrown across the room but i think also obviously they are trying to minimize harm to the kid like they know that they have to put michael in harm's way because it like we discussed earlier it's really their sort of only option but they are trying to minimize the risk he is in so i guess it's a a fine line between having the striga be like 10 inches maybe from this kid's face mid feed and not wanting the kid to be anywhere near a bullet or the monster that's going to try and drain its life force, you know? So, like, I yeah, I think it's them just, like, trying to walk the line of, like, doing the most they possibly can to protect the kid while also getting the best possible shot at the monster. But you're right. It doesn't make any sense that they try and grab its attention because that's, like, literally the most inconvenient thing they could do in terms of just trying to kill it. Yeah. From a practicality point of view, it doesn't work. And maybe it's just because Dean saw how John tried to deal with it, which was calling out, hey, hey, really loud. And, like, I understand that, like, in the heat of the moment, you, like, you want it to stop feeding, ultimately. Like, you don't want it to kill the kid that you've just used as bait, mm-hmm. which may be true in both circumstances. There is no definitive proof to prove that it was the case in John's circumstance, but... Um, that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. At the end of the day, they should have just shot it. Like, like maybe Dean's just doing what John did the first time, and like, but you would think Dean's seen this before. He was only a child. He wouldn't. He would understand what happened the first time, which was that Dean called out, "Hey, the stringer stopped feeding," and then it got away. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I think it's also a matter of, like, if, I don't know, like, if you saw someone who was being, like, if you came across, like, a mugging or something, right, and you could see that the person was, like, in harm's way, you don't want to, like, get right in there and, like, put yourself between them necessarily, but if you can get the attacker's attention and distract them for, like, a minute, like... I guess that might be, like, an instinctual thing. Like, you might not necessarily mean to do it, to be like, hey, and, like, put its attention on you. But it might be, like, how can I get their attention off of them? And not it, not necessarily something you're thinking of as, like, a logical thing, but when you're in that moment, in that second, you just want to help the person who is in danger. And maybe the way that you instinctively try to do that is to get the attention. And even though it is not the logical thing, it might just be something that you do without thought. But also your analogy is inherently wrong because it's not like... Here's the thing. If it was the father of the little girls and he walked into the bedroom and saw... Oh, I see what you're saying. Then then that would hold true. That makes sense. But because they planned for it. But because they planned for it, it's like... Sending an undercover cop into an area where there's been a lot of muggings with full backup, where they've got a body cam on them, they've got a wire, you're like, you're watching out for a mugger, and then they start getting mugged, and instead of... Doing the tactical thing. I don't know, actually going up and helping them, 
you know, mind you, you've planned for this. Yeah. Instead of just going up and helping them, you just call out, hey, and then the mug has just run off. And you don't work out who it is anyway because, you know, it's dark and you didn't get the evidence. Yeah. And, like, you know what I mean? It just, it's weird. It is, yeah. And I think if they were not expecting to see this trigger, that would make sense. Mm. But they are, they're fully expecting it. Yeah. They fully know. Like, he's, I understand having, like, a panic fear response if you're not expecting it. Yeah. But they know. Yeah. It's been moving through families. Like, they... They know it's going to be the streaker. They know what it is. They know how they've got to kill it. They even know it's in the room because they've seen the video feed. Yeah. And it's like, it's no longer just the shocked reaction. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's informed. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Um, Moving on, though. Who's cleaning up the kid's bedroom? Is this a job for Bob the ghost challenger? Well, it can't really be a job for Bob. A job for Bob? Job for Bob. That's a fun sentence. A Bob job. I feel like that's getting a little too uh, a little too close to R-rated. but um, um, I mean, we do have an explicit rating. Yeah, true. And like, because we can't stop trying to talk. <laughs> um, I, it can't be a job for Bob because um, Bob doesn't work for the living. He only works for the deceased. That's discrimination. The last point I kind of want to bring up is something that I know I've spoken about a couple of times, but I just wanted to bring it up again because it was uh, very apparent in the end of this episode, which is the recurring theme of Sam just wanting to be normal, you know, and Dean actually just wanting that for Sam because it's what Sam wants, you know. And it, it makes a point of, you know, Sam was saying at the end of the episode how it was a shame about Michael and, like, having to show him that, Everything burst his bubble, not burst the bubble of his innocence, essentially, yeah. And Sam saying, you know, sometimes I wish I had that innocence. And Dean sort of saying back to him, well, if it means anything, like, I wish you could have had that as well. And I don't know, like, I don't necessarily think there's a lot that we haven't already discussed about that already, but I just wanted to point it out as, like, an ongoing theme of Sam just wants to be normal and Dean just wants Sam to But then you've also got to look at the reading of that of like Dean in that moment could have very easily just agreed with Sam and been like yeah I want I I wish like I had a normal life too but you've got to look at it and you sort of just think like holy shit Dean just thinks he 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 couldn't have that yeah that's not even something that he allows himself to want yeah because for him it's like well of course I don't get to have a normal life like I'm not allowed to want that yeah and it kind of comes back to the point from earlier of Dean's number one priority being watch out for Sam and it comes back to Dean's life became look after Sam which meant that he wasn't thinking about what he wanted, what he needed. He was thinking about what Sam wanted, what Sam needed. And that is still so ingrained in him, even now as an adult, even as a 26-year-old, even when Sam's an adult. And he arguably doesn't need Dean watching out for him anymore, or at least not to the same extent. So if that is everything, I guess that brings us to the end of the episode and your rating out of five. What would you rate this episode i always think to myself while i'm watching the episode like what do i rate this and then i completely forget to think about it ever again <laughs> and then you always ask me this and i'm always sitting here going fuck i don't have a rating for this um i think i'm gonna have to give it a two and a half would have been a three but the party city witch costume was so bad that i dropped an extra half a point okay no i'm actually i'm a little bit surprised i thought I really love this episode, but I realise now, like, I love it because of the back story that we get and, like, the yeah. character development, which is not your favourite part. It's my favourite part. I think also a point that I made earlier but I didn't really elaborate on was the use of flashbacks. I didn't really like it, and I think reflecting back on it now, the reason I didn't like the flashbacks is it detracted from the main plot. Which meant that the main plot was less... Intricate. Intricate and less complex and less gripping. 
because they were trying to add all of this backstory in. But yeah. instead of having it be like Bloody Mary, where it's like the backstory was just like woven into it, it's like they've decided to use flashbacks as a tool, but they've sort of just wielded them yeah. indiscriminately. You know, it's just yeah. they've just shoved a whole bunch of flashbacks in there anytime the story like even vaguely mirrored what's yeah. happening in the present. And I understand that being like a detracting factor for you. I think for me, I really appreciate them because it's one thing to think of something having happened to them as kids. It's another thing to actually see it play out in front of you and be like, oh, they're very young and like see the situation. For me, it just makes it more like you hear them talk about how they grew up and you're kind of like, oh yeah, but you see it. And for me, that make that solidifies it. And I think it's just that visual of actually seeing how small they were and how young and, you know, vulnerable they were. I think for me, that's why I find them really effective in solidifying that. Um, yeah, okay. Um, for next week, uh, episode 19, it's called Provenance. Do you have any predictions? Not necessarily, I mean, it's hard from that particular title to, I think, to kind of draw too much from it, but if you don't have much of an idea about the actual episode, like where you think we're coming up to the end of the season now, where you might think like the plot might be heading. You know, the name Provenance for me, you know, something wicked, like it hits like the alarm bells of like, it must be about witches. Yeah. Which it's technically not because Trigger are not witches. They're vampires. <laughs> but um, it just, it doesn't, Provenance as like, it doesn't hit those alarm bells. It's a bit like the Benders. Where yeah. I'm sort of sitting here going, I have ideas of what it could be, but I know they're all wrong. Yeah. <laughs> because I don't know enough. Like, obviously, provenance typically means some sort of, like, history, like, normally written down. But I don't know how they would turn that into an episode of Supernatural. So I don't know where they could be going with a title like that. Yeah. Especially because, I mean... We talk about the lore a lot, which is, like, written history in and of itself. So, yeah, I can understand that. Sort of, like, it's so broad it could apply to literally anything. Mm, yeah. No, that's fair enough. Okay. So that is all for today. If you want to interact with us any further, you can always find Jamie over on Twitter at DriverPixPod. Send her your streaker research. Um, are they really witches? Are they really vampires? I don't know. Battle it out over there, I guess. <laughs> and if you want to get a hold of Bethany, you can find her on Tumblr at DriverPixThePodcast. And I think she really wants to know how all these shitty John ha- headcanons actually prove that he's a really good father, actually. <laughs> so just like, you know, you've got to send her your meta takes about how, you know, it's actually really good that they abandoned a 10-year-old in a motel room for like three days. Just, I think, <laughs> I, I think she'd really enjoy that. Like wading through all of like, you know, actually it wasn't that he was using his kids consciously as bait, you know. He was just, you know, an idiot. I, I guess <laughs> maybe. Anyway, I think that concludes the podcast for the day. I think I'll wrap it up today, considering Bethany is currently losing her goddamn mind. I love your argument. Like, your your implication there is, like, he wasn't actually an asshole. He was just willfully ignorant. Like. <laughs> it's better, technically. Uh, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I guess. Um, anyway, on that note. Um, we thank you so much for listening and I guess we'll see you next week if we've managed to not scare you off with discourse about streakers, I guess. Anyway, have a lovely afternoon. Bye. Bye.